booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I am not Deb Valentine. I am Frank Diaz with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. Some of the flooding you're going to see in areas hundreds of miles from where this made landfall are going to set records. Hurricane Ian picking up steam after leaving Florida, headed for the South Carolina coast today. A suspect has been arrested after allegedly stabbing a longtime FDNY EMT in Astoria yesterday. An upstate federal judge is expressing doubt about the constitutionality of several parts of New York's recent gun law after hearing arguments over whether to block its enforcement. Ginny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, is doubling down on her claims that the 2020 election was stolen. The boss, Bruce Springsteen, is coming out with a new album in November of soul music covers. Some of the flooding you're going to see in areas hundreds of miles from where this made landfall are going to set records. Well, Hurricane Ian has regained some strength after exiting Florida and taking aim at South Carolina. The National Hurricane Center said the storm spent only a few hours as a weakened tropical storm over Florida before it spun up into a Category 1 hurricane yesterday in the Atlantic Ocean. Rescue crews were wading through water and using boats to rescue Florida residents stranded in the wake of Hurricane Ian. Here's Lee County Sheriff Carmine Messano on Good Morning America. It is heart-wrenching. I will tell you that we have made some rescues through waterways uh, and some we're not able to access. We have thousands of calls on 911 that are prioritized and we're answering as we speak. The Orange County Fire Department posted photos of crews in a flooded neighborhood in the Orlando area. At least four people in Florida were confirmed dead on the state's eastern coast. Forecasters have issued a hurricane warning for coastal South Carolina and southeastern North Carolina ahead of another landfall today. Well, a suspect is in custody in connection with the deadly stabbing of a 61-year-old FDNY EMT in Astoria. Here's 77 WABC's Bob Brown. Police say it happened near the intersection of 20th Avenue and Steinway Street, right outside her station. She was reportedly on her way to get food when the suspect suddenly came up from behind and stabbed her in the neck. Fire Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh. 2.20 p.m. today, Lieutenant Allison Russo was on duty at Station 49. While outside her station, she was stabbed multiple times in a barbaric and completely unprovoked attack. Police say the suspect fled the scene, barricading himself in his residence, but was eventually taken into custody. Russo was also a first responder on 9-11. I'm Bob Brown for the 77 WABC Early Morning News. Mayor Eric Adams also spoke about Russo. Our hearts go out to the family, our colleagues in the city of New York. We lost one of our heroes. She provided a service in the city for over... 24 years. Russo, a Long Island resident and 25-year vet of the FDNY, is survived by her daughter and her parents. Well, a lawyer challenging provisions of New York's new gun law argued that the state restricts people from carrying weapons in too many places. The argument was made during a hearing Thursday before Judge Glenn Sedeby in Syracuse as he decides whether to temporarily order a hold on provisions of the law while a federal challenge to its constitutionality Continues, Governor Kathy Hochul and fellow Democrats in the legislature approved the law this summer. This is a moment of reckoning for us as New Yorkers 
and as Americans. So no 18-year-old can walk in on their birthday and walk out with an AR-15. Those days are over. Well, that was shortly after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a state law that said people had to demonstrate an unusual threat to their safety to get a license to carry a handgun outside their homes. The lawsuit is also challenging training requirements for new concealed carry applicants that requires them to turn over a list of former and current social media accounts for the last three years. New York is among a half dozen states that had provisions of their gun laws invalidated by the Supreme Court. Well, Virginia Ginny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, has stood by the false claim that the 2020 election was fraudulent during an interview with the House panel investigating the January 6th insurrection or I should say riot. That is according to Representative Benny Thompson, the panel's Democratic chairman. The committee has for months sought an an interview with Thomas in an effort to know more about her role in trying to help former President Donald Trump to overturn his election defeat. She texted with White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and contacted lawmakers in Arizona and Wisconsin after the election. She refused to answer reporter questions after the interview. Ms. Thomas, why do you feel like you need to speak to the committee to clear your name? Thank you for being here. Did you speak with your husband about your beliefs of the election being stolen? Thank you for your question. I look forward to answering the members. Thomas's attorney says his client was solely focused on ensuing reports of voter fraud and irregularities were investigated. However, according to people familiar with the matter, she did not provide any evidence or specific reasoning to back up her belief. Well, the boss is still putting in some work. Bruce Springsteen is taking on the work of Four Tops, Temptations, Supremes, and other soul legends for a covers album that's coming out in November. The 15th song disc features two duets with singer Sam Moore. Springsteen explained that he wanted to make an album where, quote, I just sang. Those who have been seen his live shows know he'll frequently pull out a soul cover or two, particularly on the encore. Millions of Floridians remain without power as Hurricane Ian exits the state. Many face delays, maybe weeks of power outages. Hurricane Ian left about 2.6 million homes and commercial buildings without electricity as of yesterday, according to PowerOutage.us, a website that compiles outage numbers. The website recorded about 2.6 million customers without electricity out of about 11 million customers in total. The worsted areas line the tower with southwestern side of the state, while South Florida remain relatively unscathed. Florida Power and Light President and CEO Eric Silagy. Be pleased with uh, parts of the system that I've seen a little bit further to the west of here uh, is in good shape. Uh, at FPL, we did not lose one single transmission tower, so that is critical. The backbone is up and operational. Uh, we are now in the process of getting the distribution and the substations uh, that had flying debris go into them. Florida Power and Light is the largest power provider in the state. Most residents depend on FPL in two of the three worst-hit counties, Charlotte and Lee. Well, dramatic footage showed Weather Channel meteorologist Jim Cantore struggling to stand and being struck by a tree branch while on air covering Hurricane Ian. Cantore was reporting live from an intersection in Punta Gorda, Florida, Wednesday when he was nearly taken out by a tree branch as the Category 4 storm bore down on the state's west coast. The dramatic footage captured Cantori stumbling through heavy rains on 100-mile-an-hour winds. That doesn't sound like fun. Cantori was seen placing his hands on the road as he staggered toward a traffic signal. Shortly after Cantori's dramatic moment, his Weather Channel colleague Mike Seidel reported 
from a balcony in Fort Myers that Ian was, quote, one of the worst hurricanes I'd have ever been in. The Hurricane Ian coverage is far from Cantoria's first viral moment. In 2014, the veteran journalist made headlines when he ca- casually need a would-be attacker in the groin mid-broadcast. Well, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell yesterday downplayed the impact of abortion politics on the battle for the Senate majority, predicting that the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade will play differently in different states. McConnell has sought to make the 2022 midterm elections a referendum on President Biden by focusing on inflation, the influx of migrants across the southern border, and rising crime rates in big cities. Political handicappers also say that Democrats are favored to keep their Senate majority in large part because Democrats are more eager to vote in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which struck down the right to abortion. The three big national issues that we're going to be addressing here that people are most concerned about nationally are the ones that I mentioned, inflation, crime, and open borders. That's clearly where we're going to be putting the focus with regard to the issue you raised, I think every one of our candidates may have a different answer to that, depending upon where they are. In May, McConnell defended the Supreme Court's ruling on abortion rights and predicted the issue would be a wash in the November elections. But some Senate Republican strategists now concede the issue has revved up Democratic voters more than they expected. Well, Donald Trump got the court-ordered review he wanted of documents seized from his Mar-a-Lago home, as well as his preferred pick for a so-called special Master to carry it out, but less than a month in, the former president has complaints about how the review is taking shape. Trump's lawyers lodged objections this week to U.S. District Senior Judge Raymond Deary's proposal for how his work as special master will proceed over the next few months. This is according to a letter that they sent the judge that was made public on Wednesday. Noted law professor Alan Dershowitz spoke to Rita Cosby about Judge Deary the day he was appointed to be the special master. I think the Trump people may have made a mistake putting Judge Deary on the list. He's very pro-prosecution. He's often contemptuous of criminal defense lawyers. Recently, he wrote a book in which he called the best criminal defense lawyer in New York, at least one of the best, a mob lawyer, which is a form of McCarthyism. Among other things, Trump objected to Deary's request that his legal team verify the government inventory of what exactly agents seized during the August search, how Deary had categorized the privilege issues he'd been looking for, and the judge's request for a briefing on certain questions of law. His legal team also shared new details about the volume of material seized by FBI agents from Trump's post-presidency home in Florida, writing in a separate letter to Deary that they recently learned from the Justice Department attorneys that the roughly 11,000 documents actually tallies about 200,000 pages. The seized materials include a mix of government records, press clippings, books, and other documents, this according to the government's public inventory logs. Well, the Daily Show host Trevor Noah has announced he's going to step away from the anchor desk. In a video statement shared on Twitter yesterday, Noah said that after seven years as host of the Comedy Central satirical news program, his time is up. I found myself thinking throughout the time, you know, everything we've gone through, the Trump presidency, the the pandemic, uh, just the journey of, you know, the more pandemic. Um, and, and, and I realized that after the seven years, um, my time is up. Noah, a stand-up comedian from South Africa, was a relative newcomer to American audiences when he was named as host of The Daily Show after Jon Stewart signed off in 2015. Noah hinted that his decision to leave the show is rooted in his desire to do more stand-up work. 
Well, Vice President Kamala Harris mistakenly touted the U.S. alliance with the Republic of North Korea in remarks yesterday from North from Korea's demilitarized zone that sought to reaffirm America's commitment to the security of its Asian allies. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. Although the vice president didn't correct herself, she went on to hail the U.S.'s ironclad commitment to the defense of South Korea amid threats posed by North Korea. 77 WBC time check coming up on 515. Oh, it's Justin Alec in the studio on your sports update. What's up, Justin? What's going on, Frank? Thank you very much. I am Justin Alec here with your early news sports update. Week four of the NFL season kicked off with a bang last night as the Dolphins and Bengals met on Thursday night football out in Cincinnati. The Bengals continue to bounce back from their 0-2 start, winning their second game in the span of five days by a score of 27 to 15. The real story, though, was Miami star quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. There we go. Being removed from the game on a stretcher as time dwindled in the first half after being taken down hard. The, the young QB remained down for almost 10 minutes before being taken to the hospital with reported head and neck injuries. It is reported and confirmed that he has a concussion. Locally, the Giants get, so, uh, get set to welcome in the Chicago Bears Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. as three-point favorites, and the Jets take a trip to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers at the same time. They currently sit as three-point underdogs. Checking in on the diamond, both the Mets and Yankees had the day off yesterday before they get set to dive into the home uh, into the home stretches of their respective regular season schedules. The Yankees return home to welcome in the Baltimore more Orioles tonight at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. With Domingo Herman set to take the hill against Baltimore's Jordan Lyles, Aaron Judge will be going for number 62 and sole possession of the American League record for single-season home runs. As for the Mets, they'll send out ace Jacob deGrom in game one of a big three-game set against the uh, Braves in Atlanta. First pitch is set for 7.20 p.m. Eastern time with Atlanta trotting out left-hander Max Reed. The series could very well have huge implications on the National League East Division title. New York enters the series just one game up on the Braves in the National League East. For more sports content, follow 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Here with the early news sports update, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Let's take a look at Lou Dobbs with your financial report. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Lou Dobbs. Wall Street sell-off continues. Meta announces cost-cutting. Toyota's EV troubles mount. September trading wraps up today. All three major indexes are on pace to close out the worst month since June. The S&P coming off of another new low for the year. The Dow down more than 8% this month. Facebook's Meta freezing hiring. Meta announced the cost-cutting measures as ad revenue drops. CEO Mark Zuckerberg citing economic instability is the reason. Meta stock down nearly 60% this year. Carnival Corporation reporting earnings today. Wall Street expecting another quarterly loss that would make 11 in a row. Carnival has hasn't recovered from the early shutdowns as a result of the pandemic. Toyota's president says meeting California's new zero emission requirements will be difficult. The state wants to end the sale of new gas-only cars by 2035. Toyota is under fire for not moving fast enough on its EV initiatives. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs financial report taking a look at your futures this morning dow s&p nasdaq all up this morning about three quarters of a percent 
Gold up about half a percent to $1,678.30. Silver up 2.13% to $19,110. Crude oil up 1.22% to $82.23 a barrel. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The WABC Early News. The New York City Schools Chancellor David Banks is attempting to simultaneously expand access to marginalized students and reward academic high achievers in announcing his new school admissions policy yesterday. The top 15% of students in each school and the top 15% of students citywide, based on their course grades, not standardized exams, will be given first access to screen schools. Middle school admissions will be determined by the individual community school district. East District will set its own policies for admissions, and where screening is implemented, students would be ranked based on their classroom grades. Attendance won't play a role. Specialized high school students will continue to use the SHSAT as mandated by law. The SHSAT will now be administered during the school day, mostly on November 17th this year. In addition, three new academically accelerated high schools will be opened in the South Bronx, Ocean Hill, Brownsville, and in the Southeast Queens by the fall of 2024. Speaking of school testing, results from statewide standardized tests released on Wednesday show that math scores for New York City students took a nosedive during the pandemic with only about 38% of kids in grades 3 through 8 being proficient in the subject last school year. The data shows that it's a dip of nearly 8 percentage points from 2019 before COVID-19 hit when 46% of students made the grade. Meanwhile, kids in grades 3 to 5 who were just learning how to read during the worst of pandemic-era school disruptions saw a substantial drop in English scores. The results in that subject increased for those in 6th through 8th grade. Chelsea resident Lynette Cabral spoke to CBS 2 News about her daughter's own experience returning to the classroom. She was in third grade and in second grade in the pandemic, so it was a little hard. Not the reading, but definitely the math. That's how you could see how the difference that a teacher made makes while they're in class. It also shows that as a whole, less than half of third through eighth graders were considered proficient in English last school year. The results offer a first look at how students in the nation's largest public system are faring in the aftermath of school closures and the trauma induced by COVID-19. Well, street vendors and allies marched through the streets of lower Manhattan to City Hall to demand dignity and more protections yesterday. Vendors from across the five boroughs, elected officials, and allied organizations want an end to what they say is unjust enforcement. The Street Vendor Project is advocating for roughly 20,000 street food vendors and merchandise sellers. They want the same protections that other small businesses receive. New York State Senator Jessica Ramos. They are not criminals. They are hardworking people looking for dignity and looking for the legalization of their businesses. Organizers say the city only has issued about 5,000 food vendor permits. They want to overhaul the system, which they say is outdated and often forces them to buy permits on the underground market. 
The organization says the march follows a summer of record-breaking fines and being treated like criminals. The Street Vendor Project says only about a quarter of the operators have proper permits. Authorities confirmed the human remains found in suitcases in a broken apartment where officers had gone to conduct a welfare check on a 22-year-old woman earlier this month indeed belonged to her. They identified her as the Asia Johnson of Linwood Street in East New York and said her death had been ruled a homicide. No arrests have been made in the gruesome case, and it's still not clear how Johnson died or if cops have any idea who may have killed her. Neighbor Rodney Wilson spoke to NBC New York. It's a sad situation in every circumstance, especially being right across the street from a public school. Kids here. Nobody deserves that. Building security went to check on Johnson in her sixth-floor apartment after not seeing her for about a month. This, according to law enforcement, it's not clear what prompted them to check that day on Wednesday, September 21st. But a senior NYPD official said security encountered someone believed to be her boyfriend. That man wouldn't let them inside, and security said they'd call cops to gain access to that, according to officials. He and another man left the apartment when security officers walked away. Building surveillance showed, and one of the men was carrying a black duffel bag. Security saw them leave and went back to the apartment. That's when they encountered a horror scene, blood in the bathtub, a meat cleaver, and a horrible smell, and called 911. This, according to NYPD officials, investigators obtained a search warrant for the apartment, and it were found two suitcases with apparent human remains. It wasn't clear if there was a whole body. Autopsy results have yet to be released. Well, police say an NYPD officer shot a man suspected in an earlier shooting during a foot chase in Brooklyn last night. The officer and another cop were investigating a double shooting at Kosciusko Street and Broadway just after 9.30 in the evening when they spotted the nearby the suspect nearby and engaged the man. Here is NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madgery. One of the males was shot in the right leg and the right arm. The other man was shot in the left hand. Both of their injuries are considered non-life-threatening. They were removed to local area hospitals. Suspect kept fleeing and ran into an apartment building on Patchett Avenue. This, according to the chief, police were able to bust inside the building and arrest the suspect before he made his way into an apartment. Madry says the suspect was hospitalized and the two men who were inside the apartment he was trying to enter were taken in for police questioning. Police say the earlier shooting that police believe the suspect may be connected to left two men injured. They were both hospitalized with gunshot wounds and are expected to survive. It's a flood, and Kathy Hochul isn't up to the job of fighting crime. Hochul still defends the state's disastrous cashless bail experiment. So Hochul refuses to call the legislature into session to fix our broken bail laws. And she won't remove liberal prosecutors like Alvin Bragg. Well, a political advocacy group bankrolled by cosmetics heir Ronald Lauder has unleashed a TV ad slamming Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul as soft on crime and unwilling to clean up New York's disastrous Castler's bail law. Lauder, a conservative who ran for New York City mayor in 1989, just dropped about $2.5 million into the independently run Safe Together New York group on September 21st. The group produced the ad and supports Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin for governor. The sequel to a beloved Halloween movie and one of my personal favorites starts streaming today. Jacqueline Carl has more.
The sequel to the 1993 hit Halloween movie Hocus Pocus is dropping today. Stars Sarah Jessica Parker, Bette Midler, and Kathy and Jimmy were on the red carpet in New York City for the movie premiere earlier this week. Sarah Jessica Parker said being back at a movie premiere is a sign life is making a comeback after the COVID pandemic. For 77 WABC Early News, I'm Jacqueline Carl. Well, if you missed the top five at five and other news, be sure to check out it. Check it out on our website at wabcradio.com. Don't forget to look at our merch at wabcradiostore.com. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.